Nikki Blue. What a, what a great pleasure speaking with Nikki. He uh, helps organizations uh, be better by, uh, by helping them realize their potential, by helping them kind of quone into their uh, into a good direction. He has great examples of, of how he helped companies. Fascinating background, Nikki. He was born and raised in Iran. You know, during the revolution, his parents took him out of there. The family went to Greece for a while. Then they eventually, you know, thinking they were going to go back to Iran, but did not. Uh, they went to Toronto and stayed there. But we talk about his father and how he was such a role model. And uh, he became an entrepreneur and, you know, worked hard. And how Nikki was able to, uh, you know, really learn from him. Um very, very interesting path. We talk about how doubt, what doubt does, how it kills. We have some uh, similar kind of uh, books that we admire. Stephen Pressfield, of course, of course, the um, the War of Art. You know, talking about the resistance, uh, but really great examples on how business owners, you know, need help and can be, you know, coached and. Uh, um, helped in a in a direction of positivity so many times the the owner gets stuck but that's what nikki does now he's got all that that he's got from his past and from his father built this company he's also an author wrote eight books he's also a podcaster he's a thought leader uh, just a fascinating man i really enjoyed this conversation with nikki Ballou. thanks for listening hi i'm joey pins People ask me, how did I lose 130 pounds? The quick answer is always discipline. I started my business, wasn't paying attention to my health, was eating too much, you know, drinking too much sweets. My daughter was born. Next thing I know, I'm pre-diabetic, I have hypertension. I knew something had to change. Discipline. I, like many of you, have faced many challenges in your career, in your family, in your life faith. How did you attack them? How did you approach them? How did you solve them? Hopefully it all had to have some degree of discipline. I'm also asked, how did you found and start a tech business that lasted over 25 years? Discipline. I was committed to it, enjoyed technology, didn't enjoy some aspects of it, but knew it was necessary. Discipline. Our podcast mission, how do we use discipline to better ourselves and society. Join me, please, as I talk to interesting people and discuss how they use discipline in their family and their passion and their careers and how it helped them. Our podcast vision, growth through learning from others. Joey Pins Discipline Conversations. It'll be light and serious. Join us, please. Thank you for consideration. Nikki Ballou, thank you so much for your time today. Really appreciate it. Nikki, what's a thought leader? That's a great question. First of all, thanks for having me on the show, Joey. It's, a, it's an honor to be here. Um, the best way to define a thought leader is to by drawing a sharp contrast with um, an expert. And Matt Church, who's a man whose work I've studied and have been mentored by, by um, says an expert is someone who knows something. Experts are a dime a dozen. But a thought leader 
is someone who's known for knowing something. Thought leaders are rare and valuable, right? A thought leader is a go-to authority. They're the person that in their space, people go, that's the guy. That's the one. He is the only person you need to talk to when it comes to doing X, when it comes to solving Y problem. You know, another way to draw a distinction between an expert and a thought leader is one by my good friend, David Muirman Scott, who says, an expert is like a cover band while a thought leader plays original music. Huh. Very interesting. You know, I the, the, the term gets bandied about, Nikki, you know? Uh, that's very interesting. An expert's a cover band, but a thought leader is the actual, hmm. And are you a thought leader? Yes, 100%. How so? You pass that criteria? I do. How so? Well, I take the time to do a lot of original thinking, Mm. you know? Um, I'll give you an example, if I may. Please. This is a a folder of um, some of my original thinking. It's on the subject of winning and high performance. Inside this folder are 56 of these pink-colored sheets. And each of these pink-colored sheets talks about an aspect of winning. And it's done in a very particular way. You start in the middle of the page where, you know, this is this is something Matt Church originally created, which I borrowed from him, which is a statement. So when it comes to winning, the most important factor in becoming a champion is how you think. Then I explain it more deeply. How a champion thinks is the decisive factor of what makes him a champion. His thoughts, his attitudes, his beliefs are so precise that they allow him to win. And then I've got some case studies of people who've achieved championship caliber results in my experience. Teresa Dugwell, that's that's actually my, my sweet better half. She set three Guinness World Records for running on a treadmill for 12 hours. Robin Sharma, the author of the legendary book, The Monk Who Sold His Ferrari. You actually remind me a little bit of Robin, I should say, Joe. Um, Very phenomenal dude. My good buddy, Mark McCoy, a Canadian Olympic gold medalist in the 110-meter hurdles. We've been friends and business partners, and we've co-authored a book together. My, my, My buddy, Donovan Bailey. Donovan is also an Olympic gold medalist. Again, someone I've worked with. Mark Ferris, who's been the number one realtor in Canada for one of the largest realtor companies. These are... Um, some books. This is a literature review that backs up what I've talked about here. Angela Duckworth's book, Grit. Malcolm Gladwell's book, Outliers, which is the study of success. Anders Ericsson's work, you know, that he's published on 10,000 hours. And then I, one of my own books called Finish Line Thinking. Up here is a um, Venn diagram. And it, the one circle is focus. The second is action. The third is consistency. That's the winning zone when all three of those are applied. A metaphor here is how a champion thinks is like how the world's best operating systems runs a computer. Both are designed to generate top-notch performance. And then I've got seven ways that I say this 
original statement here, depending on the type of audience that I'm saying it to. And I've got 56 of these on the subject of winning and high performance. That's some deep original thinking that I've done. Certainly. That's the kind of stuff I teach people to do in order to build their own thought leader brand. So let's say you wanted to become the Elon Musk, the Patrick, Beth David, the Steve Jobs of your space. I would show you how to create original thinking around the message that you want to put out there for the customers you're trying to help. I would help you make sure that message speaks to problems they're interested in solving. Then I'd help you put together um, a book, uh, you know, uh, podcasting, video channels, podcast guesting in a very strategic fashion that in six months, nine months, a year would help you massively scale your business. You know, that's what Steve Jobs, Elon Musk, and Patrick Bet David have done. Patrick Bet David started the Valuetainment channel. When he started it, he had 200 um, uh, insurance agents in his company. Successful guy, 200 insurance agents, nothing to sneeze at. Valuetainment allowed him to attract 27,000 insurance agents to his company. So he went from $2 million a year in profit to $270 million a year in profit. That's how this works. Very interesting, Nikki. Very interesting. Your 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 past intrigues me. You were born in Iran. You, 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 your parents took you a Christian, by the way, in Iran, and you you parents took you after the revolution. You were, you were kind of in the seventies. You were born or, or kind of growing up there. Then you went to Greece for a while. Then you went to Toronto. Your your father was this great role model. He's no longer with with us, by the way. Uh, God rest his soul. Uh, my condolences. But you're from, you know, from that kind of seeing your, your home country, that, that transformation. I mean, did that inspire you to be a thought leader? Does that, does that childhood rearing help you, encourage you, give you fuel to do what you're doing now and helping others? Well, brother, that's a great question. You know, um, it was a searing experience to see the revolution happen. Um, I tried to make sense of it for myself. When I was a kid, like, I mean, my parents would tell us, oh, this will be over. We'll go back soon. But, mm. you know, that never happened. Right. And I tried to grapple with living life newly in the West and that I was going to be in the West. I wasn't going, going to go back home, you know, um, and it wasn't a choice I made. It was a choice my, 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 my family made, my, my mom and dad made, I didn't want to leave. Um, but in retrospect, they made the right decision, right? Uh, we left tyranny and we moved to freedom. And if you think about that, that that's important to me, you know, Joey, like freedom, free expression, free enterprise are at the foundation of my philosophy of life and business. You know, if you, Take a look at what's going on in Iran in the news right now, Joe. Um, young woman, 22 years old, Masa Amini, murdered for going outdoors with her hair partially uncovered. I mean, you think about that. That's nuts, you know. And the people of Iran um, have risen up against their oppressors. Who knows how it's going to end up? I'm praying that they will be successful and overthrow these bastards. But... Uh, there are people here in the West who say, oh, this is so oppressive here. The West, oppressive, mm. racist, sexist, horrible. And I just like look at these people and I go, are you out of your freaking mind? Or are you just malevolent and you're trying to sow dissension and destroy 
our great society. It's one of those two, you know, because clearly if you compare where we live to the rest of the world, we live in the most tolerant, incredible, wonderful, free place on earth. And these people that are trying to tell us it's not that way, we need to push back very hard against them and make sure that they do not gain a foothold in the in the popular imagination, you know, because the only way that evil triumphs is if good men and women stand by and do nothing. And letting these people badmouth the amazing society that we have is a form of good people standing by and doing nothing. So I don't do that. I always speak up about that. I speak up in my business life. And people say to me, Nikki, oh, you shouldn't, you're, you're going to lose business. And I have, I've lost business because there've been people who, you know, don't like my point of view. And I, I just like ask him this question. If you don't believe in freedom and if you don't believe that someone has a right to speak up, then we shouldn't do business. You're absolutely right. But it's also attracted to me an audience of people who want to be around freedom-minded people. Like, I believe that if you're a freedom-minded person, then you should hang around people who are also freedom-minded people. So for me, that's the foundation of my business. And um, my dad, he's the greatest man I ever knew, Joe. Like, he was a very proud man. He lifted himself up by his bootstraps. You know, his father was a truck driver. In fact, his father died uh, falling asleep behind the wheel of his truck. He crashed it, and that's how he passed passed on. You know, he started a business. At one point, he had over 60 people working for him. He used to come tell me, son, did you know that we had, uh, you know, uh, over 60 families that we fed this week, ours and that of his employees? He was very proud. He pulled himself up by the bootstraps. He was also a man who uplifted everybody around him, like, if you needed a job, he'd find you a job. If you were looking to start a business, he'd help you start a business. If you worked for him and you were trying to buy a car, a house, or an apartment, you didn't have enough money, he, he would make sure you could buy that car, that house, or that apartment. I wanted to be just like him, man. You, you know what I mean? Like, who does that? Well, the late, great Napoleon Ballou. Why would someone do that? Well, he was a Christian. He believed it was his duty to share his blessings with others. And he also did it because he could. He had the money. He had the financial wherewithal to be of assistance. That inspired me to become an entrepreneur. I wanted to help people. And then I get into business and I start getting into the business of, you know, coaching, advising, workshops, seminars, that sort of thing, right? And I saw that so many people in business didn't have a clue how to do business. They were good people, but they just didn't understand how to run a business. They didn't understand how to sell. You know, they, in fact, they were scared of selling, you know, they go, oh, no, selling's bad. Selling's bad. Selling's bad. I don't want to be pushy. I don't want to be salesy. I, I, I don't want to, I, I don't want to come across like one of those people with commission breath. I just laugh, you know, commission breath. Right. And I just thought, wow, these good people, they're not, they're not getting the business they should be getting. Why? And, and it's because of their mindset around it. So I said, how can we turn that around? Hmm. And I thought, you know, my father used to say, don't sell pe to people, serve them. What if we reframe selling to service? Well, Joe, you don't want to be sold. I don't want to be sold. No one wants to be sold, but we all love to buy. You love to buy. I love to buy. You know, I just went online yesterday. I ordered a bunch of Leatherman, multi-tools. They had them on sale. I'm going to give them away as gifts. I love Leatherman. Hey, I love Leatherman. They're awesome. Tim Leatherman, he's, he's, uh, I had him on my, on my podcast a few years ago. He's a great dude. And um, so I love it. 
why did I buy? Well, Leatherman serves. Leatherman serves. Leatherman has good products. So that's why I, I did it. And I, I, I got excited, you know, to, uh, to do this. Um, that's why I bought. And if people start to reframe selling to service, that means you take the attention off you, you put it on the other person. My father used to say business is about people, not money. It's about people, not numbers. That person in front of you, dad, would say that's someone's son, that's someone's daughter, that's someone's father, that's someone's mother, that's someone's you know brother, that's someone's sister. You got to treat them like you would treat your own. You know, there's somebody who like cares about that person and then somebody they're a hero to. And, you know, they probably had some some tough knocks, some disappointments. Maybe even someone like you promised them everything and delivered nothing to them. So it's your job to like serve that person. And I always remember that from my dad, man. I always remember that. Take care of the people in front of you. If they need something, give it to them. And and, and that's what you got to be all about. First and foremost, come from the heart, brother. Hmm. A couple of weeks ago, I was at a conference and um, bumped into this young man who had an Iran soccer jersey. Now, I'm a big soccer fan. And I said, you're in the World Cup. Congratulations. How's it going? And, and he just kind of shook his head and he said, it's hard for me to celebrate when so much bad things are going on in my country. And I said, you know, the people of Iran are wonderful. Just the government is terrible. I said, I said kind of like here. And he said, that's true, but you can't make the comparison. To your point, exactly. The government here in the West, while there's plenty of room for improvement, it's a big difference. And I asked him, what can we do? What can we do in the West to support the people of Iran? And he didn't have a straight answer for me. He said, pray. Uh, What's your answer to that, Nikki? Well, brother, I've been on a couple of TV shows. I happen to have some friends. um, Like in Canada, there's a an outlet called Rebel News, rebelnews.com. I went on, um, David Menzies uh, interviewed me, he's a friend. And then I went on Wayne Allen Root's show. um, And he's on the Salem uh, Network. And I talked about that. So, you know, I told Wayne and David when they asked me, what can we here in the West do? Number one is write to your politicians and ask them to make statements of support for the people of Iran. Hmm. And you may think to yourself, well, what's that going to do? That's nothing. That is everything hmm. for those people that are in jail and being beaten to within an inch of their freaking life. That people outside of the country know and stand with them is everything. Wow. So um, Anatol Sharansky, who later changed his name to Nathan Sharansky, was a a uh, Soviet dissident, a Jewish dissident. He was in the Gulag. He later on, you know, when the Soviet Union broke apart, moved to Israel and became a prominent Israeli politician. Uh, he wrote a book about the case for democracy, okay? And, and they said, what kept you going? You and your fellow refuseniks, you know, they called them refuseniks, right? Because they refused to bow before the evil of communism and the evil of tyranny like you they were they were mistreated they were put in the winter in freezing conditions in the summer in boiling conditions they were given substandard food they were barely given enough water like these people were being basically told we're going to mistreat you till you give up mentally and you die not only did these men not give up 
Okay, and in the case of Iran, it's men and women, mostly women. Just so I want to say it's the lionesses of Iran that are fighting. I want to make that clear. Okay. Not only did they not give up, they actually got stronger. And you know what gave them hope? People had smuggled in the speeches of Ronald Reagan. And they would read those papers until they broke apart in their hands. Mm. And that would give them hope. When Reagan made the speech calling the Soviet Union an evil empire. Right. An evil empire. And saying that it is a sad, bizarre chapter in human history whose last pages are even now being written. Those words gave emotional succor to the men and women of Iran. It is everything for Westerners to stand up, put it on YouTube, put it on Instagram, put it on Twitter, call your damn politicians, force them to get up and make statements supporting the people of Iran. The leader of the conservative party in Iran, Pierre Poiliev, spoke to a crowd of demonstrators in Ottawa and said that I stand with you and that if I become the prime minister of Canada, I'm going to put the Revolutionary Guards on the terror list, so as a terror organization list, wow. which gives the government a lot of control over how they can you know, seize assets and things like that from terror groups. And he said that I will stand and speak to the people of Iran from parliament. I will, you know, I will come to more uh, of these demonstrations and speak. And I'm telling you that just the people demonstrate, this isn't even the people in Iran or the prisoners in Iran. They hear that, they cheer. It gives them hope. It gives them belief. It's like when the home team wins the World Cup soccer game, brother. You know what I'm saying? That's so important. Like you want to do something, write, speak, do videos and contact politicians and pressure them to act. So easy now to contact, you know, your local representative, your senators, and I'm, I'm here in the U.S., just south of you, from Canada, and uh, people don't realize the impact of that. And Where are you based in the in the U.S., brother? I'm in uh, right out of New York, in New Haven. New Haven, Connecticut. Okay, great. Yeah, yeah, not too far from you, and um, and it's very powerful. And uh, best pizza in America is in New Haven. It's, I'll it's make the, the argument every time. It's the best pizza it. in America. Absolutely. That's what we're known for. Yale University and pizza. Yes. Um, very much so. Uh, getting back to your father, I want to encourage people, by the way, to write write your write your congresspeople about Iran and support the great men and women there. Uh, but getting back to, you know, my father is an Italian immigrant. And, you know, when he came over to the U.S., his mother sent him. He had $20, lived with his cousin. He was a welder by trade. And, you know, I was taught at a very young age. He also, you know, started another business where he would repair trailers and he would do these kind of odd jobs and he would bring me and I would notice a big change in his posture and his speech when they were, when the client was around, you know, okay, the client's around now, we act this way. And this is so many subtle things that I took on. I started my business in the nineties. Uh, you know, close to 30 years. I never missed a payroll. Uh, very, very fortunate. Uh, I've, I've helped families as well. But just the impact of seeing what my father did, seeing how he acted around them, I took down and I continue to do this day, much like your situation yourself. You were inspired by your father and brought it forward. Yeah, awesome, man. God bless you, brother. It's very, very, it's... I don't know about you, Nikki, but often 
when I hear people want to start a business, I, I often try to talk them out of it only in that I want them to take it seriously. Almost like when they, I play golf, I play a decent amount of golf and people say they want to start golf. And I, if you don't, you know, if you're just going to do it every once in a while, you're going to get upset with yourself. You're going to blame me. And I'm afraid it's going to do with a small business too. You have to take it seriously. You have to have a plan. You have to have mentors. You have to be a thought leader, etc. to move forward. What are your thoughts on that? Absolutely, brother. Absolutely. First of all, you got to be all about people, make a difference for people, care about people, number one. Secondly, you know, you, you, you've got to put yourself out there and understand messaging because a lot of people don't get differentiation. Their messaging really stinks. Mm. It's a technical term, stinks, right? And basically, folks just, you ask them what they do and they say things, well, we're the biggest, we're the best, this is what we do. We've been in business for 35 years. Nobody cares. Shut up. Stop talking like that. Nobody mm. cares. You know what they care about? They care about themselves and how you can help them. All you have to say is, I solved this problem for this group of people, and that's it. What is business, Joey? It's Nikki Billu's patented triple P seven-figure solution. It's about problems, people, profit. You solve acute problems for wonderful people for amazing profit. Mm. That's it. That's all business is. If you don't get that and you don't live and, and breathe that, you're Done. Done. Toast. Forget about it. Forget about it. What's the biggest problem a person has? If I were talking to you and I was trying to understand if I could help you, that's the first thing I'd ask you, Joey, what's the biggest challenge you're facing in your business? What's keeping you up at night? What isn't working as well as you'd like it to? Mm. Right? And if a person is willing to share that with you, then they're willing to engage in a dialogue to see if it's possible for them to have this problem solved, then maybe you be a resource towards solving that. Mm. If they won't tell you that, number one, you either have not established enough trust and rapport with them going in, or you know they're just one of these odd people that wants to have conversations with people but never really want to engage in solving a problem. And either way, mm. the first case, go back and get some rapport if you can. And in the second case, if they're the wrong sort of people, not everybody should qualify to work with you. Not everybody qualifies to work with me. There's people I'm going to say no to, you know, and I think that's good. It's good that you say no to certain people in business. It's good that you say no to certain types of business, because if you take on business that you shouldn't have just for the money, you know what? You're going to end up regretting it later anyways. You really mm -hmm. are. Yeah, well, well said. You know, often when I talk to some, I'm in the tech industry, and all too often when they're trying to win over clients, they start killing them with features. I say, don't talk about features. Talk about value. Talk about value. It's nice that you have a big green button here and does that. The point is, is what can it do for your client? You said earlier, everybody loves to buy, but nobody likes to be sold to. It's a big difference there. Yeah, nobody likes to be sold to. Nobody. 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 I love, uh, we have some similar, uh, I, I one of your interviews, you mentioned uh, Steve Pressfield, The Resistance, The War of Art, one of my favorites. Uh, and the other, right. Doubt Kills. Doubt Kills the Warrior, or The Warrior Kills the Doubt. That's right. It's so true. It's simple, but true. Um, what's a charlatan marketer? <laughs> That's a good question. 
So a charlatan marketer is somebody who's really good at selling. They know how to sell the sizzle, but they really suck at delivery. Mm. Usually because they, they either don't know what they're doing or they don't care, right? Um, there are people who can find your pain point and go, come on, let's do this this time. Let's fix this. And then they got strategies that don't work and they don't really care whether they work or not. I got somebody who in many ways is a wonderful, wonderful dude. And he's amazing at selling, but he's a charlatan marketer. And I'll tell you why he's a charlatan marketer. Mm. He's a charlatan marketer because at the end of the day, he doesn't care whether you do the work or not. Once he sold the program to you, it's up to you. That's mm. his That's his attitude. Now, some of his stuff's actually not half bad, but there's some of his stuff that sucks. And a lot of his stuff needs some handholding for a lot of people to get it going on uh, in their business. And I'm like, that's not how I roll. Wow. When I, when I like, when I work with people, whether we do, you know, one-on-one coaching with them, whether they're in a workshop with us, uh, whether they're part of a peer group that we run, we hold their hands, you know, if they don't get it, we're, we're going to sit down with them and help them figure it out. That's super, super important. And a charlatan marketer usually doesn't have a great track record of success. So mm-hmm. you, you ought to look out for that as well. You know, someone who's the real deal usually has some real people that will say, yeah, we did good work for this individual. It's fascinating concept because, like I said, I'm in the tech industry and there's this one particular person group who's extremely polarizing in that I know respectable companies that follow and do well and love and then the others hate. There's kind of no in between. You know, and I I respect both sides. I know, like I said, these tech companies that on both sides that love and hate. So it's like, so if it works for some and not for others, is it still a charlatan? Look, probably not. You know, like if the guy is sincerely trying to help people and you can see he's delivered for some people, you probably can't call him a charlatan. Right. But then again, if he took money and he knew it wasn't going to work for those other people, then yeah, he was a charlatan. I mean, at the end of it, isn't it really all about accountability, Nikki? I mean, some, some of these business owners just need, like you mentioned peer groups. When I mentioned, when I entered my first peer group, it was the world change, you know, because I thought I was by myself on this Island as a CEO, nobody understood my problems, you know, payroll, banks, vendors, customers, employees, just, Everybody is nobody's on my side, and then when I got into a peer group, I'm saying, "Wow, these people have the same problems that I." But just providing great accountability for a lot of these business owners is just really what they need most of the time to get them over that line. Do you agree? Disagree? Hundred percent, brother. Hundred percent. You know, um, we live in a world where accountability is not valued. <laughs> mm. You know, especially like men. There was a time where being a man meant. You kept your word, even if it killed you. You know what I mean? That is not the case today, bro. That is not the case. Like I run a men's organization. Okay. And we got, you know, we got about 18 men plus me and the man who run the organization. We want to grow it. And the number one lesson we want to teach those men is learn how to keep your freaking word. And they, so many men come in. Oh yeah, yeah, I get it. Yeah, I keep my word. And they don't. They'll not show up to a meeting. They'll not communicate. They'll be late. And I just look at them and I go, is this how you run your professional life? Mm. Because how you do anything is how you do everything, right? How you do anything, how you do everything. If that's Mm. the case, 
buddy, you're going to fail because when you don't keep your word, you destroy trust in your word. Now, it's bad enough that other people lose trust in your word. But you know what's even worse? You lose trust in your word. And Joey, if you have told yourself, um, as an example, I'm going to get up at 6 to go work out. And you never get up before 6.15, but you keep telling yourself, I'm going to get up at 6. You're done. Your trust in your word is gone down to zero. Zero. And that won't just affect you with your workouts. It'll affect you when you say, I'm going to triple my business. Because in your mind, you're telling yourself, no, you won't. No, you won't. Your word's shit. Your word's crap. You won't do it. So the number one thing that I teach men in my men's organization is keep your word. Mm. I bust their hump to keep their word. And the men who stick around, they're the ones who go, yeah, I get it. I'm, I'm in. I'm all in for keeping my word. The men who don't stick around are all not in for keeping their word. You know what I'm saying? You know, Nikki, it's almost one of those things where, you know, when somebody gets complimented to be, being a good father, I always think, well, damn it, they should be a good father. And and if you have to compliment people on keeping their word, you know, their values are somewhere where they shouldn't be. You know, uh, you mentioned about when you first came to Canada, how you had to adopt to a lot of the things because people wouldn't show up on time. You know, just being on time... I. I'm always early on time is late for me. You know, just me specifically. I certainly don't have the answers to everything, but it's just amazing that we have to kind of stress keeping your word. Your word should be your word. Damn it. I mean, that's what I, that's what I, that's what I, but it isn't. My let's be honest. It's it isn't. not, it's it not. Unfortunately, like, Another like thing I'm, I'm going to tell you straight up. It is like, we can say that till we're blue in the face, right? 98% of the people in the world today don't keep their word consistently. Yeah. You know, and managing expectations. Look, I, I um, we had a meeting at three. Something's come up. We have to push it. You know, just, you know, it's not like, and it's, it's, um, it's frustrating. You know, and another issue I see with business owners is that of delegation. You know, so often we see the owner, you know, ordering the pizza for lunch. You know, somebody can do that. You know, if you want to grow, you need to learn how to, Give that to somebody else. Do you find that to be the case of, of, of entrepreneurs having a hard time delegating? Yeah, buddy. A hundred percent. They got entrepreneurs disease. Yeah. <laughs> you know, delete, delegate, delete and delegate. That's part of right. what I, you know, a lot of entrepreneurs. Why are you doing this? It doesn't even make sense anymore. Get rid of it. And then, oh, someone else can do this. As a CEO, there are things you should never do. Never. Mm. Like, I don't know you, Joey. We just met today, right? Sure. But, you know, you remind me a little of Robin Sharma. You got a similar kind of vibe to you, this kind of this Zen warrior monk vibe going on there. Mm. And um, I I would, if, if, if you were to ask me, you know, how would I kind of evaluate you, your strengths and your possible weaknesses, I'd say your strengths are you're probably very self-aware. You know, you're probably very disciplined. 
you you move forward uh, on on tasks that you want. Um, your weaknesses are probably what every entrepreneur's weakness is. There's crap in your blind spot that you still haven't seen yet that's biting you in the butt. That's right. You know, maybe people have told you, maybe they haven't. I don't know, but for whatever reason, you haven't been able to absorb the message. And that's the that's what any successful entrepreneur. That's their biggest issue. Mm. When I talk to entrepreneurs, you know, and I'm asking them, so what's your biggest challenge? Are these ones that go, no, nothing. I've got everything handled. Like in my <laughs> head, go, yeah, you're so full of shit. Yeah. Nobody has everything handled. Nobody has even close to everything handled. So, okay. So you're basically telling me you don't trust me enough to tell me, or you're telling me to go screw myself, right? Because that's that's the, that's a polite way of doing it. Essentially. If I, if I, um, if I feel like having the discussion and making a difference for them, I'll tell them what I just told you. I'll say, that's not true because everybody's got issues. You're either telling me that I haven't established enough trust and rapport with you, in which case that's on me, or you're telling me, yeah, you something about my vibe is rubbing you the wrong way, and you're politely telling me to go screw myself. And I'll look at them and I'll go, well, which is it? It's a very uncomfortable moment for them because – they got called out, right, by somebody who wasn't going to just deal with their gentleman's agreement, like slimy little, I'm going to get away from answering you for real. And and then they go, oh. And sometimes that'll make the guy go, okay, you know what? Yeah, you haven't earned the right to ask me that question yet. I go, all right, fair enough. Rapport is usually done through commonality. Tell me a few things about yourself. Let's find some commonality between us. And he's either willing to do that or he's not. Great, we'll do it. If he's not, then really the answer was F you, I don't like you, <laughs> right? In which case, I don't want to be it's around fine. people who have right. that kind of vibe with me. Sure. I just go, listen, you know what? I wish you well. This conversation's over. God bless. <laughs> right. Go your separate ways, yeah. Uh, leadership and management. What's the difference between a leader and a manager? Well, managers manage things. They work on making sure that tasks are delegated and done and you know to be honest with you i'm not so keen on managers but i'm really keen on leaders because leaders are all about serving others are all about inspiring others to be the best version of themselves to me that's the difference between leadership and management and i like leaders more than i like managers you'd agree we still need managers just you prefer you to work do, with leaders. Absolutely. In certain yeah. organizations, absolutely. You, you definitely need managers, you know, once you get to a certain size. But I, I Steve Jobs, there's a little um, video of his that's on YouTube where he talks about the fact that he hired some people to manage things at Apple mm. who were professional managers. And he said, well, these people didn't do anything, so I fired them. <laughs> And then he said, I brought some people in who were actual doers and I made them managers. They didn't want to be managers, right. but they knew that, you know, we needed someone to lead the team and make sure that certain tasks got done. So um, that's what we ended up doing. And I'm like, wow, it's pretty cool. And this was from the, from the, uh, from the eighties, right. you know, and I'm like, dang, man, that's how Apple thought in the eighties. I kind of like the way Steve Jobs thought. He's my yeah. favorite entrepreneur of all time. Is he really? Yes. Wow. Yes. You know, I remember I, I I read the book. I, well, there was more than one book, but yeah, he's very interesting. And just like just like every great leader, there's some character, you know, flaws, of course. But his Absolutely. vision and yeah, his vision and his marketing was uh, 
absolutely incredible. And many companies outright steal from that today. You could see they it. Do. You could absolutely see it. Um, you know, I I lost a lot of weight when I started my business. I gained a lot of weight, I should say, and I then I lost about 130 pounds. People ask me how I did it. I always say discipline, Nikki. People always want a quick answer to fix everything. And I just say, I got focused discipline. The doctor told me I'm not going to see my daughter graduate if you don't lose the weight. You're pre-diabetic, pre-hypertensive. So that's what I did. I wonder how discipline plays a role in your life, Nikki. Well, that's a good question. I mean, I, um, I work out every day, seven days a week. I read every day. Um, I journal most days. Hmm. Um, I, uh, every day I go on Podmatch and I look to be on a podcast. <laughs> uh, I'm not on a podcast every day, but I'm on a podcast on most days. So there's a lot of routine and discipline in what I do, and I'm a big believer in it. Uh, so I would, I would say discipline is the key to any major success you want. So if someone's listening to this and they're saying, well, I want to scale my business, I want to add a zero or two to it. By the way, that's kind of my marketing message. Right. I tell business owners, I'll help you add one to two zeros to your income while working less 10 to 20 hours less a week. Right. That's my shtick. And I say, if you want to do that without discipline, that's impossible. Absolutely hmm. impossible. As a youth, leaving your home country, going to Greece, then coming to the West, uh, I wonder, you probably consider your father very disciplined, but did, you, did that ever come into play? Did you ever consider that as a character trait of yours in your youth? Honestly, no. It wasn't until I was in my early 20s that it really started to penetrate. <laughs> mm. I was a kid, man. The only thing that I was disciplined in was studying and schoolwork. Really? Yeah. But I didn't, call uh, it that. I didn't think about that. I just knew I had to do my schoolwork. You know? Just did it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Many of us are that way. And wait, the way you're, you portray your father, who's just wonderfully, you know, it's just a wonderful, um, you know, idol and somebody to look up to like that. And it just kind of passes down. It's, uh, it, it's, it's great to, it's great to have that. You say you journal every day. Do you meditate as well? You know, lately I've not been on the full meditation train, but it's one thing I want to add into my daily routine. It's mm. definitely helpful when I do it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It it's amazing. It takes very little energy, and it's free. You just got to kind of wipe everything away. But I just feel so much greater after doing it. It's just amazing. Absolutely. Uh, just ten minutes. You know what? I'm going to do it today. I, this this afternoon, I'm going to do it. I got a, good for I got you. A, I got a couple meditation apps on the phone, 15 yeah, minutes. I'm just going to lie down, yeah. close my eyes, and let it rip. <laughs> let it rip. Yeah, yeah. You'll feel feel much better. Nikki Ballou, what motivates you? You know, brother, we're living in a time where um, a lot of good men and women are feeling uncertain and scared. Mm. You know, the last two and three quarter years, we've had lockdowns. They've destroyed a lot of people's businesses. You know what I'm talking about. Uh, a lot of people's mental health has been horribly impacted in a negative way and there you know the inflation in canada and the united states and the west is causing a lot of fear among people um and i see that and i'm motivated to inspire people to believe they can win because when you believe you can win victory is assured 
<laughs> when you do not believe you can win, defeat is your destiny. And for me, I come on podcasts like you because I want to share a story or two about me and about some of my clients. And I, I hope that I'll get a chance to share one very powerful story, at least about one of my clients with you. Because I want the person listening to this who's having a hard day or a hard week or a hard month or quarter or year or last three years to listen to somebody who's going to lift them up, energetically speaking, and have them believe they can win again. And if you're listening to this and you're having a hard time generating that belief, borrow mine for a while. I believe in you. I believe in your soul's greatness. Inside every human breast beats the living heart of freedom and the living heart of one of God's amazing creatures that was born with purpose and yet life beat it out of them. And it's time for someone to remind them of their purpose and to get them to believe again. And so it leads to my next question, which I want you to share, of course. How do you measure success? By the number of people I've helped win. And I'll tell you a story. A few years ago, there was a, a woman. I'm going to call her Julie. She was introduced to us. She had been the country director for Canada for one of the world's largest and oldest personal development firms. And um, she was amazing at what she did. And she brought on a man to help her run the company in Canada, whom she believed was very talented. Mm. Kind of like Steve Jobs back in the day with John Scully. Right? And just like Steve and John... At first, the two of them got along great. But just like Steve and John, after about a year or so, they their visions of the future diverged. And they no longer saw eye to eye. And just like Steve and Jobs, this woman was kicked out of her own company. I remember Steve Jobs, he said, how did you get kicked out of the company you started? Right? But it happens, you know, um, and she was bereft. You know what I mean? Bereft. For about 18 months, someone introduced her to us. We loved on her. Like we love on everybody who comes our way. She's a good person. It was easy to love on her. And um, we helped her get clear on her message so she no longer had a male message helped her get clear on her ideal target market her avatar and we helped her put together an offer that she could go out there and present to the marketplace and she was working with um, entrepreneurs who were going through burnout because they'd just been running too hard multi-million dollar companies but totally burnt out 
You know what I'm talking about, right? I'm sure you've seen that. Certainly. So she became their advisor, their consigliere, their confidant, and she helped them overcome burnout. That was her message. We're going to overcome burnout. Hmm. You're going to get to have your life back. Powerful message if you think about it, right? For someone burned out, like, like they're going to just say, are you for real? Okay, sign me up. That was kind of how it was, right? Very much needed, yes. Yeah. So um, anyways, in her first month, she made 10 grand, you know, as a solopreneur type person. That was awesome. In her second month, she made 12 grand. In her third month, she made 18 grand. But in her fourth month, buddy, that's when things became really good because she made $62,200, Joey. And for a solopreneur, that's awesome money, man. That's like <laughs> 720 grand a year, right? Um, so anyways, she lives in Ottawa. I live in Toronto, five-hour drive apart. My um, oldest son plays soccer, or as I like to call it, the real football. It's actually played with your feet. <laughs> so wonderful sport of kings. He's uh, he plays center back and fullback, and he's um, he's a tremendous player. He's right now he's you know he's uh, six foot one, hundred seventy five pounds, fast, great soccer IQ. Uh, he's a beast. I mean. And he's, um, he looks like a soccer player too. He's got the, the little kind of longish hair in the front, the kind sure. of Italian, Spanish, yes. Latin American Lean. soccer yep. hair look, yes, you know, yes, he's, uh, yes. he's, he's kind of like, like me, he's a little darkish. He's got that, you know, that Latin, Latin lover look to it. He's per perfect look and a great player. So, you know, I'm very proud of him. So he had a tournament in Ottawa. Um, she has a son, his age at the time they were 12 right now. My boy will be 17 in January. Um, so I called her up and I said, hey, my son and I are coming to Ottawa for this tourney. How would you and your boy like to come watch a game, maybe grab some lunch? She said, I'd love to. So she brought her son and they watched a game and they won the tourney, which was great. And then we all had lunch and then we said our goodbyes. It was, a, it was a wonderful time. You know, I drove home. A few weeks later, we had a um, one of our quarterly kind of conferences. It's a three-day um, branded thought leader immersion workshop. And uh, this is where we teach folks. You know, we bring them in and we teach them how to be thought leaders and Add that one to two zeros to their income while, you know, working 10 to 20 hours less per week. And we had come to the portion of the event where we talked to people about how they could work with us. You know, the famous upsell that happens at events, right? So the way I do it is I ask our people to share their experience. Pretty smart strategy, actually. So that's what I did. I said, who'd like to share? Before I could say anything, pick someone, she bounds up on stage and goes, me. And I'm like, okay, cool. Floor is yours. She gets up there, puts her hands on her hips, and she's got big energy, and she's smiling. And then she starts to cry. And I mean cry, ball. Now, dude, I'm a red-blooded masculine man. When I see a woman cry, I panic. What did me I too. do wrong? Me too. <laughs> 
what did I do wrong in my head? But the exterior is placid and calm. You know what I mean? So she turns around and looks at me and she's sobbing and crying. And, you know, we hand her some tissues and she goes, Nikki, in between each sob, she goes, you didn't know this, but when you and your little son came to visit me and my little son, my little son asked me, mommy, mommy, who are we going to go meet? You know how little boys do when they get excited? And so I smiled at him, she said, and I said, oh, we're going to go meet Nikki Baloo and his son. And then she said, all of a sudden, my sweet, beautiful baby boy became very serious and very quiet, which he hardly ever does. And he said, oh, mommy, are we going to go meet the man who saved our family? And I looked at her and Joe, I'm an old school masculine man. I don't cry in public. You know what I'm saying? I cried. We hugged, we cried, and in between her sobs, she goes, Nikki, I didn't tell you this, but when I came to you, bank was about to foreclose on our home. We hadn't paid our mortgage in months. <clears throat> My husband and I were fighting every day like cats and dogs in front of our three small children. And it looked like we were going to break up. I was going to lose my precious family. You literally helped us save our family. Now, Joe, I have no idea she was dealing with this. She did not share this with me. So I just like thought to myself, you know what? God is, uh, God is good. God is on my side. And God sent me somebody to serve and gave me the opportunity to serve them. And I just hope every day that I'm worthy of more opportunities to be of service to people. Because, you know, Nikki Blue on his own is just a, just another human being with all the foibles and flaws of every other human being. But Nikki Blue is someone who's serving God. Yeah, that service to God's pretty special. And, um, we had eight people in the room who were uh, prospects for our year-long program, which was a high-ticket program. Normally, some buy, some don't, and some we need to have a bit of conversation with, persuasion. Everyone bought, and instantly. There was no argument, no conversation. They just took the forms, they filled them out, they handed them in. Now, why did that happen? It ain't because I'm special, I'll promise you that. It's because I had the world's best salesperson working for me, 12-year-old boy. <laughs> you know what I mean? And that one line that she said, are we going to get to meet the man who saved our family? That freaking line made eight sales <laughs> like that in a heartbeat. And it wasn't like I was trying to have someone say a line to make the sales. You understand where I'm going with this, right? Like I, I it was not a setup no idea. It was not right. a setup. Um, it wouldn't have worked if it was a setup. Right. <laughs> Candidly. Wouldn't have disingenuous. Yeah. It would have come across as disingenuous and disgusting and all that. Um, I had no idea she was going to say it. I was blown away that she said it and I was blown away that everybody signed up. Like I went to, you know, our team after and I go, what just happened? It's a good thing, but what just happened, you know, um, and that was a, that was a powerful lesson for me. Everybody is hurting out there. They just may not be ready to tell you. And as long as you just keep your eye on, this is a person, this is a human being I'm here to serve. 
everything will turn out okay. You know, everything will turn out okay. Too often we forget how simple you know, relationships can be with people to dig into their ideas. And if they have that idea that's different from mine, I shouldn't like them. That shouldn't be the case at all. Good people that disagree can still love and respect another and talk more and be good friends. And when you have somebody like that who came from the heart and, you know, expressed how you help them, I mean, uh, there can, I don't know if there could be a greater pleasure. I, it, that's a wonderful, wonderful story. And I'm so glad you helped her and continue to help others. Nikki Blue, what an absolute pleasure talking to you today. You help companies, you're a podcaster, you're an author, you're a thought leader. Uh, how can we get in touch with you? Um, if you spell my name, Nikki Billu, N-I-C-K-Y-B-I-L-L-O-U, and you go onto most social media platforms, you should be able to find me and just say, hey, I heard you on a podcast and, you know, connect, I'll, I'll say yes, <laughs> you know. Um, and if you want to read one of my books, I've written and published a few books. Um, just type in my name in Amazon and my two podcasts are there as well. Thought Leader Revolution, if you're a, a man or you know a man who needs masculine energy uh, in your life or his life, go check it out. Um, Sovereign Man Podcast is what it's called and what it's all about. And, um, you know, if you're a business owner and you're struggling and you're hurting and you'd like to have a conversation with somebody to help you get unstuck, then there is a link to book a a success call with me and it's uh, ecircleacademy.com forward slash appointment. You know, it's complimentary. There's no fee for it. And we'll sit down while we chat. Let's take a look at what's going on and why it's not working and what it's going to take to have you start working. Very good. I'll make sure to put those uh, in the show notes. Nikki, thank you again so much for your time. Uh, when I'm in Toronto next, I'll look you up. We will have a cup of coffee and, uh, and uh, talk about good times. I like that very much, Joey. Thanks very much for your time. Thanks for having me on the show. It was a pleasure. It was an honor. Thank you for listening and or viewing Joey Pins Discipline Conversations. Please share this episode with one or two of your friends who you think may benefit from the episode. Our website, www.joeypins.com. There you find lots of resources and you could join our mailing list. Please follow us on all our social media, Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Podcast information, the video version of our podcast is on YouTube. Please subscribe. Audio is on all major podcasting platforms. Please follow them. And if you like it, please consider giving five-star rating. Would really appreciate that. Would you like to financially support the podcast? You can go to our Patreon site. Consider $5, 10 or $20 a month. There's all kind of plans that we have there. There's like a one-time payment. What is this podcast episode worth to you? $25, $50, $100, $500, $1,000, $5,000. You be the judge. You can go to our PayPal account to do that as well. Thank you again for listening or watching Joey Pins Discipline Conversation.